Okay, we're going to get going, everybody. So this is the uh, select board meeting for uh, May 23. And we start with a, uh, a message to everybody that we're doing video recording. And we also want to take a moment of appreciation for our troops who are serving around the uh, world. Thank you. And we're going to start uh, this evening by introducing our, the town's new land use director and planner, Marie de la Fuente. Maria, sure, come on up. It's very nice to um, meet you and be officially starting here in Metfield. I was very, very excited. I've heard nothing but wonderful things um, from the region and Sarah as well. I knew Sarah um, before. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to get the master plan going. I understand there's um, the select board has uh, priorities that they'd like to discuss. And if you'd like to meet with me separately at one point so we can discuss how we can best tackle them, I'd be very excited to take that on. Well, we're delighted to have you here. Thank you for coming and joining the, the Medfield team. Thank you. We look forward to working with you. Me too. Thank you. Uh, next, the uh, select board wants to recognize the following individuals for their dedication to the town of Medfield. And this is uh, uh, anniversaries of service. Uh, Chief William Carrico, five-year anniversary on May 7, and Bernadette Foley, the 10-year anniversary on May 8. Next, we have a request from the Kingsbury Club to hold a youth triathlon on August 13, following the starting at uh, 8.30 a.m. and to use the rail trail for the running portion of the event. Any more information about this? Thank you, okay. Sure, yeah, if you, then you, then the people at home that are watching on TV can oh, hear you. so exciting, my debut here. Um, yeah, we are hoping on August 13th to hold a youth triathlon the kids' uh, age ranges were looking anywhere from 5 to 14 years old. You know, the little kids would do, they wouldn't bike, but they'd do a short swim, a short run, all the way up to 13 and 14-year-olds who would do a longer bike and a longer uh, run. And we're hoping to hold, I've, I've got some plans here. Most of it, we think, will be held on Kingsbury Club grounds, but we checked with the Council on Aging and I think they're okay with it, but they know we're talking to you. We're hoping to have the bike maybe go through part of that parking lot and loop around Kingsbury Club. And the run we'd like to have start at Kingsbury Club. And depending on what age you are, we would run uh, up the rail trail and back. So we just wanted to check in and make sure that was okay with you all. Okay. Any questions, Gus? I think uh, that's Sounds pretty fine. straightforward, hopefully. The, uh, obviously, if it's a rail trail and you're running a race, there'll have to be somebody at the crosswalk there. Yes, we would have plenty of volunteers there. The, o the only random thought I had when I read this, uh, and probably doesn't apply for this event, but it could potentially apply if we, if the rail trail becomes a popular running trail. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think it affects this. This, um, but I, I what I started to think about on the weekends, the the horse riders who use the running trail yeah. that. Uh, we could potentially get to a spot where we'd have to be thoughtful about how riding horseback riding along the trail intermesh, intermeshes with a bunch of people running on the trail. I don't think it. I don't think it affects us. Yeah. It'd be nice that. to have that problem too. But and we can always start earlier if there's a concern. Okay. I mean, but other than that, nothing. 
No, and on that same train of thought, mm -hmm. I would think as long as you, like at the state hospital, whenever the Norfolk Con Club does a thing, they just put notice out so people yeah. kind of know what's going on. Yep. So as long as you guys, and I, I'm we can do that. Kingsbury Club, so you guys are good at putting all sorts of notice up. So if you just put that so people know what's going on. Sure, that's a great idea. And maybe we'll get more kids involved too if they see the sign. So, okay, great. I think the question is, have you checked with the uh, police chief to make sure that it's all okay? Yes, we had a quick email exchange. Excellent. And I know closer to the race, I can talk to you again in terms of um, solidifying the routes, just so you all know what's happening. So there's nothing other than crossing over the roads that we have concern with, and picking volunteers and our on-duty personnel and things that work best. Okay, do we have a motion then? All right. Motion to approve the request from Kingsbury Club to hold youth triathlon on August 13th, starting at 8.30 a.m. and to use the rail trail for running portion of the event. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. All right. Thank okay. you so Thank much you. for coming. Thanks. Uh, next, we've got uh, Chief Garrett to provide a quarterly update and to request appointment of Barry McGrath as Deputy Police Chief. Exciting event. So not my debut, but still very exciting. <laughs> Um, this is a, a really good day. Uh, I have to admit, I can feel my own heart racing thinking about getting pinned and, and how exciting a moment that is. So uh, first, welcome to friends and family. Appreciate your taking the time. Uh, as anybody who's been in law enforcement knows, it takes a family to support a police officer and to see them grow and sacrifice and you make the sacrifice with them. So I appreciate you guys taking the time out of your night to once again support your family and friend, Barry McGrath. Uh, that being said, I'll give you a quick bio on Detective Sergeant McGrath, soon to be Deputy Chief McGrath. Um, he has been a 25 year veteran police officer having served the last 23 years in the Rentham Police Department. Uh, he has uh, worked in every role from patrol officer to school resource officer, court prosecutor, oversaw evidence in the property room, was a patrol sergeant and currently serves as a detective sergeant. So he brings a wealth of experience um, and knowledge to our department. We talked uh, about what, what makes a candidate stand out. And in the process, we obviously take cover letters and there was something that jumped out on the page to me and I think maybe to the rest of the committee in his cover letter. And it said, I strive to be an inspirational leader, proactive, supervisor, thoughtful problem solver, and mentor to staff, encouraging them to always to be better and do better. The last three weeks, I've gotten a chance to know Barry on a more personal level. I will tell you, he doesn't strive to be these things. He embodies them already. And that is good leadership and something that I think that we can have um, really help our organization flourish. So uh, it is nice to see somebody put pen to paper and then see them actually be able to talk the talk as well. Uh, at this point in time, I can give you the brief. Uh, Barry has his bachelor's degree in criminal justice. Congratulations, he's recently attained his master's degree from Roger Williams University. Um, I, I can't think of a better candidate to, to help our organization move forward. And I respectfully request that the Board of Selectmen appoint Detective Sergeant Barry McGrath to position of Deputy Chief of Medfield. Do we need to vote on this at this point, Chris? You do need to vote on it. We actually signed a, a contract with Barry in our executive session before this, so that. Uh, uh, but can we have a motion, motion. to appoint yes. him? Uh, motion to approve 
uh, the request for appointment for Barry McGrath as deputy police chief. Second. All in favor. Hit Aye. Aye. Hooray. Congratulations, Barry. Thank Aye. you for joining the Medfield team. It's okay with you. We will do the swearing in by the town clerk, and then Barry's wife Pauline will pin him uh, after he gets his. Love that. Oh, excellent. Yes. So if you want to come out from behind the tables, you can do the pictures with Marion. Oh, sorry. No, no. I guess we're coming in because we are. <laughs> 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 you solemnly swear that you will faithfully and impartially to the best of your ability to the duties of the office of which you have been appointed in accordance with the Medfield Town Charter, the bylaws of the Town of Medfield, and the general laws of the state of Massachusetts, and all the I will present to you now a quarterly report. I'm going to call it a quarterly report loosely. It is actually um, our activity through the police station from January 1st until April 30th. Um, it, we've been putting out notices on a monthly basis now about some of our activity, particularly traffic activity. Um, that's really the number one complaint in town or concern, so that's why we did this. Pete was very generous to send me a little bit of feedback where he didn't understand some of the terms we used. And I think when you're in law enforcement for a while, you use the jargon and you feel like you know it, so everybody else knows it. Um, so we will we'll start with just some basic statistics. Um, during this time frame, our agency responded to 111 uh, calls for animal services. Um, those were just the calls that came in through the station you may or may not know, Jenny fields a lot of the calls um, on her cell phone personally, so that number is going to be significantly higher. Um, our department has been very proactive in the overnight hours. Um, we performed 2,136 property checks between our private businesses, uh, personal residents, and Medfield State Hospital. We have done some community service, so our park lock and walk, which is where the officers will actually 
park their vehicle, lock it up, exit it, and go walk around and talk to business owners or people on the street, whether we send an officer uptown for early release days um, to talk to the kids or help out at the library and those types of things. Uh, over this time period, we performed 88 of those. Uh, that's in addition to their calls to service. We had 86 traffic complaints. Um, so when I say traffic complaint, it could be really one of three things. This is somebody's, people are speeding on my road, we'd like some enforcement. It could be I'm behind an erratic operator. Um, I don't like the way somebody in front of me is driving. Or it could be the lights aren't working properly uptown or they're not cycling. So all of that gets listed under a traffic complaint. Um, in response to those 86 complaints, we performed 214 traffic posts. So this is where an officer will self-assign or I will assign a particular area and I'll have them go. They may stay there for an hour to up to four hours, depending on our call volume. And their sole goal is to address the traffic complaint in the area. So if it's speeding, if it's running stop sign or red light, um, that is their main goal. Of those 214 posts, uh, we performed 398 motor vehicle stops. So those were observations by the officer where a person had violated um, one of the motor vehicle laws. We responded to 76 accidents. There were no fatalities and no serious injuries reported in these 76. And we had a total call volume of uh, 4,148 calls during that time frame. Not That does not include any of the ambulance runs where we may have assisted uh, with the fire department. Uh, just to run down, we had 10 arrests during that time and issued out issued out, excuse me, uh, 22 warrants for arrest. Um, a couple of other things. Um, we participated this year with the high school to have uh, two seniors come over and do their senior project internship with us. I don't think I could have asked for two more wonderful um, young men, uh, John O'Leary and Brandon Lindgren. Both of them have an interest in law enforcement if I could take them, age them by five years, and multiply them by 10, we would have a superior police department better than we already are, which is pretty darn good. I met Brandon um, on Saturday up at the uh, State Hospital. He, and, was, he was an impressive young man. And I will have you know that his internship ended on Thursday, and he volunteered to go up on Saturday. Um, so, you know, that just shows you the dedication. Uh, really, it was a wonderful arrangement with the school, and I look forward to doing it again. Uh, and lastly, uh, as you know, we had hired Officer Jake McKenna. He had to complete the Bridge Academy. He successfully did that. We received his clearance on May 17th that he has met all of the requirements for a full-time academy and will continue to work with us in a, as a full-time officer, having now completed the academy successfully. Uh, Richard Davis, we submitted all of his materials. We are waiting for them to count his hours and let us know if he's met the threshold required by the state. Um, if he hasn't, we're certainly within maybe 100, 100 hours. Uh, and I expect his exemption, if not the end of this month, uh, sometime next month. And I will be before you again to ask you to appoint him as a full-time officer. Uh, he's been a fantastic addition to us. So any questions? Okay, so
The only comment I'll make is that uh, probably since about the start of the year, e either you're getting more complaints from my end of town, <laughs> which is why I see so much more visible presence of the police. And I think some of those self-assigned spots is what you're talking about. But uh, it's been noticeable up near where I am that the police are much more visible uh, to include the number of cars I've seen pulled over, actually, but but more importantly, is the presence there. It's it's been a noticeable improvement in the sense, to the extent that uh, presence is an improvement, it has been a noticeable improvement. That's music to my ears. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think too, what I've noticed is the whole community facing. Right. I, I love when I see the officers out there. Um, nine out of ten times, there's eye contact. Hey, how are you? And it's not that I'm a select person. I may be with friends and they're, they're catching the eye of my friends. So it's, and that I think really starts to engage the community to, to know that it's, you know, it's, it's a big family, right? And we don't want it to be that they're distant and they're, they're mm -hmm. arm's length away. So I've just noticed that over the last, I would say four or five months. And uh, I, I think that's a tribute to uh, what's happening uh, with your leadership, so. Thank you. I would just say that I've noticed as Gus commented that there seem to be more vehicles on post, I guess it's called. Um, doing traffic enforcement, and so I think that's great that we're we're seeing that more around. So. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I have, when I tell you, I think we have such a fantastic group of people working for this town, and they are dedicated, energetic, and most importantly, um, they're beginning to develop a real family atmosphere within the department, and, and it shows just in morale. It shows in their enthusiasm to go out and work together and be crime crime fighters and crime stoppers and it's a, it's a renewed energy. So, yeah. So glad to hear it's working. All right. Thanks Unless, for coming in. Thank you and thank you for uh, the deputy. He's a great addition. We're very thank fortunate. Thank you for Barry for yeah. us. <laughs> have a nice night. Thank you. Thanks you. Good night. Uh, next we have... Uh, we're gonna actually, Chief Carragher, just let me know, he had uh, a conflict that just came up last minute, so we're gonna hold him until the yeah. June meeting. Okay. They had, they had like four vehicles out on Green Street yeah. when I was driving in. Unfortunately, Mo Lay is willing to step in as <laughs> the director of the DPW. Mo wears a lot of hats around here. Speaking of hats, Chief Left Harris. So, Mo, do you have anything going on? Uh, I, have, I have nothing uh, prepared, um, but. Um, we're just beginning our construction season right now, so uh, we're in the infancy stages. We did uh, we did attend a uh, touch a truck not too long ago at the Blake Middle School, and uh, we had a few vehicles that we brought over from uh, the water department and from the highway department, and uh, I guess it was a tremendous success. It was uh, uh, so many people there that uh, they were waiting in line to get into the truck. So, so fun. So it's a good thing. Um, the kids love that event. That's they do. Cool. They do. Um, Tonight, I've got uh, four different uh, documents to ask the selectmen to endorse. Um, the first one is from Niche Engineering. This was um, in intersection designs that were approved by, the contract was approved by you back, I believe, in February. Um, the contractor, the consultant asked to make some, some changes by their legal team. Um, Mark here has, uh, was reviewed, they reviewed it, and the contract was already signed, but it would just need to be initialed by, by you to agree to the changes. 
So I, the only thing I did notice on it is there's a uh, signed copy not to be received by April 28th, 2023. Should that be updated to May 23rd or is that? We can do that. It was, it was, um, the, the copy was photocopied, so it wasn't uh, able to change okay. it in that respect. Because it was in the termination thing, so I was like, okay, that's, I didn't know if that really mattered or for, since we've already signed it and we just made some tweaks for the other sections. Right. Mark, is that acceptable? So, Mark, I'll, I'll, I'll start with you rather than Mo here on this one, because this one, I've never seen, I've never seen a contract that gets re-signed or modified three quarters of the way through the period of performance. Uh, we had a signed contract; the work has been done. So, my my first starting position is, why is this even on here? The, uh, I can answer that one. The selectman signed the contract before the consultant had signed on that particular one, I believe. Uh, I see you. Well, the, the version that you provided has their signature, Correct. Vice President Risk Manager. Correct. They signed it, but then realized they needed, they wanted the town, uh, their legal counsel wanted to make some changes before it went final. <laughs> and I'm uh, saying that's not how you do business. If right. you sign a contract. When, when Mo refers something to me, I'm, I'm not dealing with whether they're already working or they're not working. I'm just looking at the contract. In this case, the language that they had proposed, most of which I, I seem to recall it, it was the indemnity whole harmless mm -hmm. provision largely. And I went along with what I could. There was some I absolutely said no. Um, so, uh, but we you're okay with the ones that are in the contract now, the revised contract? As revised right now. So, so here's my here's my problem, and I, I, I I'll listen to you, Mark. So, this is definitely not the way you do business, where you sign a contract at three quarters of the way through the period of performance, and suddenly the contractor says, "I want to change the terms around liability," because I'm sitting there saying, "Why is there? What is it that's going on that suddenly causes a contractor to need to change liability exposures here?" when you're presumably a month away from completing the work. So that's my alarm bell comes on with, I don't know, I've never seen this. I've never seen this happen. Well, first of all, I've tried to make it clear that <clears throat> contractors, this, the town should sign the contracts last. They right. should go out, the contractors should sign them. If they've got changes and we know about it when they come back, but at any rate, the law is when somebody signs a contract, they're bound by it. So you can have a situation, hypothetically, where the town's bound by a contract, but the contractor right. isn't. And right. that's what you absolutely don't want to happen. Right. Um, as far as this indemnity clause, I'm seeing this happen in Franklin a lot. It's, it must be driven by insurers because all of a sudden, a number of engineering firms are coming in and wanting to tweak that language in different ways. Uh, but in terms of timing, um, uh, Select Murphy, I wasn't even aware that it was already being executed. Yeah. So, okay. So I made my point about I, this is like highly irregular. Uh, and my only reason for being the stickler on this is that it's weird behavior three quarters of the way through a contract to suddenly want to change the liability issues. Because my first thought is what liabilities have you given rise to that you'd like to get out from under? Now, having said that, what it did do is it sensitized me to the exact wording of this clause on all your other three. And the, the issue that 
one thing that I assumed you would have said was fine no matter what was it's, it talks about to the, ex, it, the original wording, which was they're liable uh, for anything which are, which are the result of any act, omission, or default. And they want to add any negligent act, which all intuitively all makes sense to all me. All the engineering firms do that. That's <clears throat> standard. Yeah. So that, so that part, I don't, right. on the merits, I don't have a problem. It's just that it's like, why are we making this huge, especially when it's the vice president of risk management who suddenly wants to do it when he should have been the one that would have spotted it. So I'm, personally, I'm willing to rely on your telling me that this is, in fact, reasonable contract language and well, therefore I, it's not a, we, there's no particular reason why i should be unwilling to it, this is not an alarm bell that something's well, going on that i should refuse to generally go. speaking when i am although the language is the same when i'm dealing with consulting engineering work which this is a study mm -hmm. or what have you mm -hmm. i'm willing to exhibit more flexibility than if it's actually they're managing a project yeah. If they're managing a project, something that's actually being done, then that's very rigid. So this, this because I look at this, what it is they're doing, what's what's the chances of something arising from a liability standpoint? Is it worth the fight? And then it's generally pretty remote in these kinds of situations. So I'm saying there's no fight here because it's already a signed contract. The only question is, I'm well, looking, I'm if you sign a contract. <clears throat> They changed the language and signed the contract. That's not a contract. They didn't change. So are we saying that the contract we signed, so <laughs> they changed the language of this, why is my signature on it? Because you signed, apparently the signed, signed. The, they signed the contract first. Right. So it goes to the consultant. They then sign it with some changes. It has to come back to you to have initial those changes or it's not a completed contract. Exactly. I was to say that. Yeah, you can't, you can't change it. None of the other party get confirmed. Right. It's not, so you don't have to be three quarters of the way through this contract. It's been going back and forth trying to get the changes correct. That's all. Have they started the work? They haven't got paid for any of the work. Any reason for that? Because we make sure the contract signs. Yeah. Well. So I guess that removes my concern. There was, this is the only contract you have tonight where it has pay 10 days upon receipt and all the other ones are 30. So I guess that's irrelevant if they haven't been paid at all. They haven't okay. been paid at all. All right. Well, but if they, if they were supposed to start on February 21st and end by June 30th, mm -hmm. and here we are in May 23rd, is there still an end date of June 30th? They have the they have the work being done, but they haven't been paid. Okay, so they are doing the work, they mm -hmm. haven't been paid. Do you have insight into why I'm looking at saying so three quarters of the way through here, whatever risk con exposure the you contract had. the contract that was done before for the same type of project that they did for the study mm -hmm. had that language asked to change. When we did it again, we didn't use that as a basis of the contract. We used the standard contract. We, we discussed it, and then we sent it to them. We changed it the last time? We changed it the last time for an edit before you had okay. signed it. So, so at this <clears throat> point, it okay. was just a, 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 an oversight that came later on that Mark agreed to after the, you had already signed. So, so this proposed change then was something that was made at the beginning of the contract. We it just was made. It, it was made on another contract with the same consultant. I understand that. That's but that's that other contract. Right. 
this change, here's what my real question is. This is a $15,000 contract that's supposed to be over in a, just over a month. Mm -hmm. What's driving them wanting to make a change to this contract right now? Because that's what their legal team recommends them to have as their standard, which is different than what our well, standard and, and I would agree to that going forward, but I'm, st I'm still not. All right. I, I've made my point, Mark. Do you think it's wise for us to sign this contract as amended? I, I think I'm making a point because this raised more of an alarm for me than the size of the contract or, or even the as I said, of the contractor. As I said, given the nature of the, and scope of the work they're doing here, it's, it's almost a, a hypothetical discussion for that paragraph. So in, all, in the interest of getting the project done and, and on the way, my advice would be to go ahead and sign it. All right. And then moving forward, we'll just make sure. Not gonna make sure everybody's right. on that. Yeah, we're the last design. So I've made my point, but you've answered my question, so I'm, I'm good. But, but as I said, as a red flag, I've been seeing these routinely, and and Niche is an established uh, right. uh, engineering firm. There's, there's a number of them that are established. They do municipal work on a regular basis, which is why they build up a relationship with you from one contract to another, even though it's a different project, <coughs> the boilerplate stays the same because you right. basically were in agreement. And that's what you what you just said made Hunter. I've done this when I was with Kodak. I worked in the legal department. And when you write a contract, which we already did with them, and this clause was already in it, then we send it over and they didn't catch it till after the fact. Like, wait a minute, that's not how we did it with them last right. time. So that's where it's like, okay, this, yeah. this is not something new. We actually did it in a previous contract and we didn't catch it in time in this one. And they and so their legal team said, time out, this isn't our, the clause that should have been right. signed. I get that. Yeah. Most of our consultants that we use will abide by because they've been working with us for many years. Mm -hmm. Niche is very new to the game with us. So. Okay. Okay. So do we have a motion then? Finally? I was just going to ask you. Okay. Uh, motion to uh, approve the, should I say updated contract? The, the, the revision. The revision, excuse me. The niche engineering intersection design study contract for Adams Street, West Mill Street, and Bridge Street. Route 109. Edits were made to the contract signed by the Board of Selectmen on February 21st by Niche Engineering. Second. Okay. I'll second in a second. One quick question. Do we then need to have a revised contract that we resign? No. I would think we would. Just initial Because we... Well, you just oh, oh, okay. Initial. We initial it. Okay. 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 Uh, second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Yes. Um, next. Thank you. Um, the water and sewer rate study. This was um, one of the opera projects that you had, uh, had voted on to accept, I believe, in either February or March. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is the, just the contract to follow that up. It was actually January. Sorry, Mark. January? Mm -hmm. you know that early? Wow. Time flies. <laughs> that was so much fun. So I have one quick question. Sure. <laughs> is this the second attempt at the contract that I challenged the last time that was the continuation, that was the one that Willis Taligian had originally developed for. I, I, they're not the same thing. So this is a, a second attempt to get that one. Correct. I just wanted to, I'm just yep. keeping the score sheet. Okay. We did make some, Got some it. changes to it. In addition to doing the rate model, we're also asking the consultant to look at what our rate structure is. Right. We've had the same tier structure for close to 30 years. We're asking them to look at it. To sure. That's still right. Right. Uh, and it, it, the only in this, I understand. I'm not going to yank your chain anymore no, no, about this contract. 
<laughs> oh, I, if, you, if you encourage me, I could. Uh, the, only, the only observation I made in the write-up was that I think Willis's original, I couldn't tell, Willis's originally had a 30-year capital expense horizon, planning horizon, because I think the life cycle for some of this, this sounded like they were maybe 10 or 20 years, but then I wasn't sure if maybe that part does go out that far, or maybe it's not as complex a model. It's probably not as complex of a model, but I think, you know, they're going to be having a lot of conversations with us and uh, the Water and Sewer Board moving forward, and this is going to be kind of our regular mm -hmm. uh, process year to year to uh, okay. have them update. And for, and for the record, that original thing was, you weren't here yet, so I'm not holding accountable for that anyway. <laughs> okay. No questions? Uh, this is Sylvia Washington. Mark, the, do they have your address correct in here for Medfield Professional Building, Post Office Box 9? Is that where you want it in the center? Yes. Okay. I'm all set with it. Yeah. Do we have a motion? A motion to approve the water and sewer rate study? Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you. Next. Um, the third one from the one of our previous meetings with you about the Curve Street truck exclusion study that you had approved, uh, looking for Chapter 90 approval, and that's what the, there's a project request in front of you to go along with the contract for Beta to conduct the study. Questions, Gus? Uh, just one one thing. So there's the contract that we have, and then there's also a project request. Are we are we voting we're, we're, to? We're going to be cha uh, charging Chapter 90 to pay right. for. But what my question is, are we approving signing both? Are there Please. two different documents we're approving yeah. here? Okay. Please. So only question I have is um, in the section for contract term, I see in accordance with the schedule provided by the Department of Public Works, May 23rd, 2023 to September 30th, 2023, the project shall commence and be completed with the contract terms. Is that when they're going to be doing the study? They're going to do it between today and September 30th. Okay, and knowing that part of the I gotcha is going to be from a study perspective, it'll end up getting really light right around June 15th and pick up right around the middle of August. Is that significant enough that could throw this off versus if we did it from, let's say, November to March, that is everyday traffic that the, the people who are here throughout the year would experience. But we know this becomes quiet and peaceful and absolutely deadzill. Um, June, July through almost the third week in August. So I don't know if we're going to get real data. That's my only concern. Okay, um, valid point. I can, I can. We can change if you want. We can change the contract dates and ask them to delay it until, until everyone comes back in September. Because my worst fear is the date is soft, and then we're like, well, it's soft because no yeah. one's around. But if Good like, point. like if you just see like when you just did the rework for South Street for the, right. like, I've never seen traffic that backed up, right? So that's where everyone's going. So uh, I, I, that would be my suggestion. Yeah. Good suggestion. I had one more thing that I, um, <laughs> Go ahead, Gus. It, the our, in our contract, paragraph nine says consultants per personnel, the consultants employees, and consultants consultants shall be those identified in attachment A and no others without prior written approval of the town. There's nobody listed. Then there isn't. Then they're not going to use anybody. If they did, mean? if they did use somebody, they would have to tell us. And we would have to if they were going to use anyone, they, they would be in attachment A. If there's no attachment A, then there's not, they're not using no, it. No, 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 no. This is where you, the consultant here is beta. So beta is doing it by themselves, it sounds like. Right. But, but there's beta is not, beta is the consultant. The paragraph nine says consultant's personnel. Beta, that means beta's personnel. Mm -hmm. 
the consultant's employees and consultants' consultants. So that would be if they're hiring consultants. Right. Shall be those identified in attachment A. Right. So if there is no identified resources in attachment A, who's doing the work? He didn't list you the who the staff that would be working on. You want the staff that's listed to work on it? I'm only well. That's what paragraph nine says. They're going to list an attachment. Well, the, the language typically says uh, she, they won't use anybody else without. Approval of the oh, town. yeah, it says, and no others without prior written approval of the town, but there's nobody listed. So, I think the word well, paragraph the point nine is, refers right. to Gus as the consultant. It says the consultant's employees, and then it's got that conjunctive and the consultant's consultant shall be those identified in. in okay, so tell me who tell me who's been identified in attachment A. Exhibit. So they're not using right. it. Beta is not using any consultants. They're just using their own employees. It's just third parties that would be listed. Just tell Ken he has to do it. It's, maybe the language isn't as good as it could be, but that's the intent. Well, having just re-signed or re-initialed a contract that already wasn't written well. I'm, I'm reacting. So, Mo, do you know who's doing this work for Beta? Beta, Beta Group is doing Their employees are doing it. Do work. you know? Are you satisfied that the people they're going to put on this work are people you're going to be okay with? Absolutely. Okay. So, I'm once again making a theoretical contract issue here that this wording says <clears throat> that they're going to list their people. They didn't do it in attachment A. We're going to, as far as I'm concerned, we can approve this contract because I give you a hard enough time on your contracts as it is. But I will at the very least point out when we have flaky contracts, over time we ought to be working to get some of the flakiness out of it. And this is one where it's not you, it's beta saying we're going to put the, well, this contract says they're going to put the names of the people and it's not in attachment A. So we're not following. So, so Mo has my templates from Franklin and he does the first crack at them and he runs them by me. In some cases, consultants are using, for instance, uh, it's not uncommon for a traffic study to be a third party brought in to do that. So maybe he picked one where there was actually somebody being used as third party. Uh, well, but, but this, this applies to both the employees. Right. This but is it's, it's so intended if to mean, It's intended to mean it's just whoever you are, consultant, it's just you and your employees, except if you've identified third parties in Exhibit A. That's what, it, that's what the intent is. And that's... I wouldn't... I wouldn't we're having a contract discussion between me and well, <laughs> That's not what this says. I don't even have so. a, a copy in front of me to refer to, so... You want mine? I'm at a disadvantage at the moment. <laughs> you get the point. The wording right now in this template, however you got to it, doesn't make sense when there's nobody listed in attachment A. So we'll double check that going forward. <clears throat> okay. But I'm willing to go ahead and approve this because you're vouching for the people you have doing the work and you've got more vested interest in this than I do. Do we have a motion then on uh, Curve Street? Truck so do we study? want to, are you going to look at dates? Because right now we wouldn't approve it as is because we're going right. to modify we're going the to dates. We're going to include your, uh, your amendment, I think. So the suggestion, I'm just kind of playing with dates right now, seeing that you go May 23rd to September 30th. If we actually push it out to like September 5th and ran it through at some point in December, that's going to give four solid weeks, four solid months of the t traditional traffic without uh, a lot of downtime. Now, they've already signed the contract. 
the consultant. So okay. if we make that change. Just hold and, and get agreement with them and come back. Yeah. You're saying, well, the summer months just don't make sense. They're not going to get real data. So we're tainting it out of the gate. Which As a practical matter, they're probably only going to do it for a limited period. I think it's two weeks. I think it's two weeks. Of right. Setting. So we can just ask them to do it. Yeah, I just would say, I mean, it's kind of silly. We're setting ourselves up for failure yeah. if we're going to look at dates. And then if people go look at it and they'll say, why would you have that done? So I'll, yeah. I'll just push the dates out. Just it's not in the middle of the summer. Right. right. Maybe if you push out. 30 days on the end, you'd be all right. Started 30 days later. And then, but why don't you just let him go back and come back with something that. Okay. Because we know Medfield's quiet as can be. And while we're doing it, we'll take care of that other problem. Gus. Thank okay. you. <laughs> then we're ready for the uh, fourth one. Right. So, so shall I motion? Idea. All right. So motion the well, curve street. That's deferred. Oh, we're not going to do it. Okay. Okay. Uh, the fourth one is an agreement for, for Weston and Sampson. Basically, um, the wastewater treatment plant got a new permit uh, for NEPTI stormwater permit for them. Uh, EPA um, would like to have this document signed. It was signed on the previous permit that allowed Weston and Sampson to use our uh, EPA reporting portal that they use. They enter all the information. There's certain information that they are um, the you know experts in to to get that information correct on the EPA website. This is just a formality where, because we're starting a new permit, the EPA would like us to have this signed this time for the, to allow them to have the same access to report for on on our behalf. Makes sense. Questions, Gus? No questions. Really? All right. Nope. <laughs> All right. So motion to approve the agreement with Weston and Sampson to allow them to utilize the town of Medfield's portal for the reporting of digitally to EPA. Second. All those in favor. Aye. 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 Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank, Thank you. Well. Well. Good night. Well, thank this you. This is the one with all the liability. <laughs> <laughs> we can we'll change it. We'll change it if we need to. All right. So I'll work. I'll be work that contract. I'll get their approval for it. To, Go move on to uh, different dates, and we'll make it so that uh, there's no slow times in, in there. Okay. Just run that one clause by me. Yep, you got it. And, and Mo, just so you know, at least as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> you don't have to fix the person. I, I, I made the point. You got yep. the point. It's not in there. <laughs> you vote for no. You now. We, we have run you through the ringer today. That's fine. And I've done most of it. But if we get the date straight, then I made the point here. Yep. I, uh, it's more important that you know who's working on it uh, and recognize that if we don't have anything listed, we don't have any contractual leverage over who they give you. Right. Oh, we're good. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Next, we have a uh, discussion of an open letter regarding recent anti-Semitic events in Medfield from Medfield Together. And I see that Lauren Zembron is in the... Uh, audience so i think we need to promote her uh, i don't know if there's somebody else as well i don't know if anybody else is representing oh <laughs> see new faces we never know what group we're going to represent <laughs> so does somebody want to present then what's going on sure. thank you for coming Sorry, um, my name is Julie Mavilia. I live at 8 Farm Street. I'm a part of the Medfield Together Steering Committee. And I'm Patrick Duffy. I'm at 42 Colonial Road, also part of the Medfield Together Steering Committee. Uh, there were 
several events that have happened over the last um, year that we had pulled together and wanted to make sure that the select board was aware of. And uh, we sent that letter. We also sent it to Hometown Weekly, which published it. So it is out there for the town as well to see. Uh, we found two Nazi pamphlets in the Little Inclusive Library that is housed at the Medfield State Hospital where Belforge is. Uh, unfortunately, it had been after someone had um, cleared out all the books that had happened a couple of times, and then they left these pamphlets in there. And we know that there have been other incidences in town. Uh, there was a swastika found at the high school, I believe. And the stairwell. And the stairwell at the high school. And they're... The gone out to parents. And, um, right. and then also hearing that, you know, the rainbow flag at Belforge was pulled down right. off of there. Um, and we want to make sure that there's an ongoing conversation between the select board and other groups in the town, community, organizations, police department. Um, we'd like to know, too, is every instance of extremism, even if it doesn't reach the level of a crime, is it being documented by the police department? Is it is this information being kept? Is there also any plans for a civil rights task force or DI task force like other towns are doing in the state? Question. We, haven't had, we haven't had a conversation yeah. about it. So I, oh, no, no. And so that was, could could, I, could I start off, though? On, sure, ahead, I'm, I'm confused about it. I want facts is what I'm looking for here. The rainbow flag at Belforge that you're referring to, is that on the chapel is what we're talking about? Once. Went and So were they reported? So, so this is, it's a bad analogy, but this is a little bit like the people who walk dogs at the state hospital and have inter, have altercations with their dogs. And they would say, did you get the name of the owner? And the answer is no. It's like a little hard to do stuff. There was the an article, incident at, and I, I know that he did report it. I believe at Park Street Books, their peace flag was also torn down and damaged some of their lights. And that was, I believe. And these are things reported. that have happened since yeah. the open letter. Right. Too, that we're hearing about. Well. Right. The. Flag at yeah. Park Street was before that. So this is in the last, like the, the open letter was published two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. and, and, you've been and, and I've heard about the flag at the chapel since then. Mm -hmm. So this also happened in the last two weeks? A week ago was the second. Okay, time. yeah, okay. And a month ago was the first time. Okay, and as and a routine thing, those haven't been reported, I guess. Because when you said several events this year, I said your own letter only mentioned one, so I was trying uh, to two, understand. Two, actually, and three. Two. Three, really. Two of the, the libraries. Not this year. Okay, so the previous year. In the it was in 2022 year. that we, and that was reported, um, that right. one pamphlet no, was found. I, I, I'm, and then, I'm commenting on your opening statement was there were several events this year, and I said, okay, mm -hmm. well, no, I thought there was one this year, one last okay. year, one the year before. Uh, so I'm just I'm just trying to understand ground truth here. I uh other this other stuff is news to me. Are so. we counting this year as from January? Or are we so talking so about the academic yeah. year? It, like it, I'm just trying we're, to we're parsing things that yeah. don't need right. to get parsed. Mm -hmm. um, in the past year, there have been these three instances that, that apparently are more of, of right. things that have happened. Um, is there anything else that you're? Well, before yeah, yeah, you, we have, do you have the do you have the flyers? I yeah, want to see uh, them. The, like, so I think Lauren has. I think Lauren has and them. Yeah, I'd like to see what was actually there again. We have photos of those two. And yep. that was passed along to the police department. 
it, we have reported those to the police department, those incidents. And so you're, okay, is your concern just that the police department did what they could or what, what are you My asking for, I guess? Uh, what we would like to know is to make sure that these incidents are being reported, that there is a culture where it feels like those things can be brought forward and listened to and understood, um, that there is data that we can look at and say, this has happened this many times, this is something that we need to address. I think if we had something like a task force or a team where these reports could go to, that would be very helpful, something that would cultivate or engender trust within the community of saying, this happened, oh, I know this is the, this is the people I need to go to and talk to about it, those kind of things. Um, those are, I and think- And I think we would also like to know is, are these incidents of extremism being documented separately, even if they're not reaching the level of a crime? It's like, well, so I think it's we an important a, question to answer. So I think we have, so I would probably split hairs on how we use words like extremism on something like this. Okay. But, and I, and I, uh, I have, I have my, when I first saw the letter, my first reaction to it was, I don't think Medfield has an anti-Semitism issue issue. That doesn't mean there's nobody in Medfield that would ever do anything wrong or would ever have opinions. But the idea this is to me, a town that actually tries pretty hard to be pretty decent to people. So I, I initially balk at this kind of a broad brush statement that we have a problem here. That doesn't mean that I'm not interested in what you just asked for, which is to know what's really happened. So from your letter, I said, okay, one thing has happened over, over three years. I concluded from that. I first off need to even know what this stuff looks like okay. uh, because it's, without knowing what actually showed up there. I can uh, yeah, describe two of the no, things I, that no, I'm interested in seeing. I want, the, I yeah, want to see, the, see the, the items. The, the issue, though, and Christine, maybe I can... I don't think we want a task force. I do think we want a place where these things can be reported. I personally would like to know, but I'm thinking it makes sense. There may be some things the police department can log, mm -hmm. but not do anything about because there's no... There's nothing there to, that you can build. You don't know who did it. You don't necessarily have enough evidence. That doesn't mean that they can't be logged. And that, and I'm saying basically, I don't know whether it should be the police department that logs those, or whether if it's not criminal, whether we should just be watching here. Uh, there are other towns that have, um, like, um, it's not a committee. It's more of a task force. Um, they're called. The one that is popping to my head right now is called a freedom team. And that is uh, work with, there's a police officer who's it's usually the chief of police is on that same freedom team. And there's a member, I believe, of the select board to consultant so that you would get the same information that the police is getting. That there are, um, I believe, you need someone from the school who's involved in the schools, whether it is the superintendent or one of the principals. And, and then you have town involvement, there are models of this that are out there that we can look at as a town and say, maybe and we want to, happy to pass along. Right. Like that we want to have this recommendations to go back to, can I speak on what you said? Um, yeah. So the open letter does discuss 
events that have happened with these little libraries. So I'm making it clear there was one piece of propaganda about the Eagle's Nest and another piece of propaganda about uh, an SS, you know, command post or something like that. And these were materials placed. Yes, it's a museum. It was a museum of it. But still, it's the the intent of those. And those things were put in to the the libraries. Can I? And so these are these are hate symbols. Mm simple, plain and clear hate symbols that were placed in this mailbox. Uh, and the second one was a couple of days after I joined Medfield together. My wife is Jewish. My kids are Jewish. My kids attend Jewish day school. This was my, I moved to Medfield last year. So to know that this was already going on, to know that this is going on, it's troubling. It's an emotional issue for myself. But at the same time, it goes beyond anti-Semitism. These are white nationalists that are putting white nationalist propaganda in a library that we've put up to encourage inclusivity, equity, and diversity in this town. And we're coming here today to, uh, in hopes that the select board is open to these ideas with a DI task force or a committee that could, you know, even just pass along just any number of things. But again, maybe it would be the group that people could come to when there are incidents in town. So to say that there isn't a problem, there is. So what I'm asking for is the actual hard evidence of what it is you're talking about. I'm, I mean, I'm and learning. Pass that along to the I'm police learning department things tonight. Too. Yeah. Uh, and I think recording of incidents makes sense. Uh, what I'm very sensitive to is that this is the rhetoric around this is highly polarizing. Yeah. Our town has been pretty much immune to almost all of it. In fact, I would almost say all of it. And I'm not, I don't think, I can be convinced I'm wrong. I don't think that that rhetoric is justified in this town. But I can be wrong. Which but rhetoric? The, only way the rhetoric can, that we are, don't have a problem here or the rhetoric that we no, do? No, when we talk about extremist activity and white nationalists, I don't think you're going to find very many of those in Medfield. I don't think you're going to find any of them in Medfield. It's well, the problem, Gus, is that there have been acts taken with the swastika at the high school, apparently. I hadn't heard about that until you brought it to our attention. So thank you for that. From the superintendent. And, and these Nazi museum and, and uh, in, hotel or whatever it is. And uh, the reason I would like things to see are clearly in, in, The intent of those in your library is clear. Right. Someone is, is, is attacking you. Uh, and, and they want you to understand that they're attacking you. So, Or anyone that visits that library. Right. Yeah. So I, I think that, that you know, I think the town. Especially with the intent right, of the library. A, any, right. I don't think there's a, a number of people in the town that, that would uh, think that that's acceptable at all. Right. And I think that the select board should take a, a stance against it and say that the, that's not welcome in this town, that we, we disapprove of it, and that... Uh, we, we just don't want to see this. I mean, peace yeah. flags getting uh, torn down. That's not the right behavior for the town of Medfield. Mm-hmm. Mark? So there's multiple tracks here. There's your response, Pete. There's nothing wrong with that. and Maybe it's a good thing, but you've got to start from, from a legal standpoint that any type of action or incident has the potential to be criminal. That's an after-the-fact determination. It's not something you can, frankly, decide in isolation. 
So rather than, as far as focusing on that, primarily that should be a police function. She has as backup the district attorney's office, which has a civil rights uh, division in it, the attorney general's office, which also has civil rights. So they would be looking at uh, not just necessarily one item, but whether it's part of a pattern or whatever. So anything that has the basics of the incident need to be reported and they need to be reported to the police <laughs> and whatever else you want to do. And if you want to do things proactively to try and build community, that's fine, but that should be on a separate track. We, I, I mean, I think the proper place to report all these things is to the police and it sounds like you've done that. So that's the good and appropriate and because they're, that's the basic place where we keep track of this sort of thing in, in, in the town. So Eileen, did you have input? No, and I think questions? just on that, like, you know, you, you saw that the Chief Garrett came in this evening and she breaks down certain things because we've been asking for that. So to me, it, it's just like, okay, um, Michelle, when you come in next time, let's, this is a sensitive topic. And um, I know there's a couple of comments here that people have been typing in. And, and you know, if Massachusetts has issues with white supremacy, that's a state issue. Thank goodness in Medfield, uh, it appears, and I'm only speaking from having read the letter, and I've, uh, I know the comment you made about the, the superintendent sending out the letter uh, to the parents, that was brought to my attention. Um, I think educating and reminding people, it's not anything other than straight out wrong, so that the more people realize that if there are conversations going on and somebody even thinks there's humor to it, cut it off at the knees, there's no humor. Um, you know, my, my brother-in-law is Jewish. My niece and nephew were raised Jewish. It's a very sensitive topic. You don't ever want your kids to feel they're in a community where they feel threatened from their religion is just 100% unacceptable. So I think tonight starting the conversation, in my view, is a really good thing. I think that, um, you know, you saw tonight that the chief comes in and gives us quarterly updates, that I would like to just have that, you know, Christine, just to see if we can hone in to make sure that this becomes something that's getting smaller and smaller in the rearview mirror and we're not continuing to find pamphlets in the the little library whether we're seeing actions around town um it's just wrong in every sense of the word i mean and uh i guess we would recommend too that the select board be in communication with the police about this and oh, definitely with other community organizations that mm -hmm. Um, you know, when these things happen to us, we're going to report it, but we're not exactly the organization for people to come to on these issues. And we want to make sure that it's being, you know, that the town is being proactive. Right. I appreciate you coming tonight. I mean, you, we're having the discussion. Um, I don't know if you've paid attention to like, if you go to the YouTubes, these meetings do get viewed. There are oh, people yeah. sitting at home watching it on TV. That, so I think just having this conversation right now, and making sure that people are aware. So if people maybe don't have kids or aren't paying attention, this conversation tonight is going to draw open people's eyes right. and start the, the neighborly conversation. And again, when you find someone who thinks they're being funny, you quickly cut it off and say, you know what, it's not funny. And don't let your son or your daughter think it's funny because it's not, it's hurting people. I think the, I believe it just came out, uh, it was in a Patch article that Massachusetts is number two in for, the state Ooh, I, of hate um, in the, in the, or it's a right. eight in the Bay state is the ADL's uh, report that they just released yesterday on statistics. And we're number two behind Texas for um, specifically it was Have it. Sorry. white nationalist propaganda. 
Right. And so... And that was uh, the term used in the article. Right. Um, and I think that it's very easy... Incidents of that. At, it's very easy at times when um, it's not something that you face or are it's not something that is in the forefront of your mind to imagine that this doesn't happen here. And I think what we want to start the conversation is to say that it does happen here, that Medfield is amazing, but is not necessarily exempt. So mm -hmm. uh, like and what you were saying, Eileen, is that, you know, like have this conversation at home, have this conversation and continue it and make sure that this is something that is spoken out against frequently and forcefully. And also that these things are not hidden away as like, oh, we took care of it, it's gone. Instead, like continuing to have the conversation because otherwise then light on it. people don't learn and then it becomes a surprise for all of you. Oh, I hadn't heard that because maybe it had been taken care of elsewhere or, you know, maybe people hadn't brought it to you yet. So it's, I want to make sure this is spoken about frequently so that we can go to a point where we don't have anything like that here. So to be clear, where I'm coming from on this is... You're right. I, I knew the three things that were in the letter. I learned things tonight on other things that have happened that haven't been reported. My view about a lot of the speech that I hear, uh, pronouncements, is that it's empty political rhetoric. People get up, oh, we condemn this. And the problem with that, when it's that by itself, is the people that you're probably fighting against it doesn't change their minds. Some people in the middle who can't connect it to real things that happen don't buy it. And then the people that feel that way, they feel like they've done something when they really haven't. Just a statement by itself doesn't do it. What I'm, what I'm getting at is if, I, what I'm coming out from this conversation today is that all of these things should be reported. Now, is a little bit different. Is it different when it's a, a flag being ripped down versus somebody being attacked on the street? Darn right it is. And we want to, but, but you, want to, you want to know about all that stuff. So I think the thing I come away with today is that sure, we need to figure out a better way to, the word needs to get out to people. If stuff like this happens, tell us about it. I still want to see these things for myself to know what it is we're really talking about. When I first heard about the SS Museum, my first reaction was, without knowing the details, but I haven't seen it. So you're going, I've been to Germany. There's no SS museum in Germany that's glorifying the SS. If there's an SS museum somewhere, are you sure this was somebody who was anti-Semitic versus somebody who wants to make sure if you go to Germany, you go see how terrible they were? I haven't seen the, I haven't seen the flyer, so I'm not judging it. It's just that when I first saw about that, I said, there's no SS museums in Germany that are glorifying this, they would be quite the opposite. So but, but you, you see what's the, the, you know, leaving two things that, that are targeted to Nazi connected things in, in this I don't even understand why that library happened. is a very clear message. I don't think you're, I think you're misunderstanding the message. And, and by and questioning it, I think you're, you're undervaluing. I think there's something we, we can pass the along both the, the photos and anything that we reported yeah, that, to the police. That's what I would like to see. And we can also pass along um, some materials on hate symbols and hate speech and to kind of better understand well, I, why placing Nazi propaganda. Um, well, I'm actually. Why, why placing a pamphlet on the Eagle's Nest where Hitler and the SS 
you know, we're in the Alps. Why that placing that in a library would be. Um, well, I'm actually, I am it, curious why anti-Semitic stuff would have been put in the little inclusive libraries, because that's I'm, not first and I foremost. I don't want to also try because, to figure out the motivation right. of the person putting it in. All I'm asking is that um, these incidents be taken seriously as incidents of hate speech. And did you say they took the book? So like where it was full the night before, you came back empty and the only thing you found was that's what you're going to read. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not right. Like that's, mm -hmm. So that, that is times. wrong. What, what I'm getting at is the books, there's a different set of issues around what the books cover is in the discussions that have taken place in the last year. It hasn't really been around Nazis. It's been more around what is and isn't acceptable socially with what the books that I'm, at least the books I'm aware of that are in the little inclusive library. I don't think, if you've had, if you've got any Semitic books in there, I wasn't aware of it. I, I don't check the libraries all the time. I actually thought it would have been far more likely to do with race or gender type issues and things like that, only because that's what it seemed like. But my understanding and when I, I did I, look at the little inclusive libraries, that's what it was. It wasn't really. I think I'm confused by yeah. your question. I. Yeah. Well, what I'm getting at is I'm trying to I'm trying to understand. I, I know that not everybody agrees with the books you have in the mm -hmm. little inclusive library mm -hmm. libraries. I haven't looked at what's in all of them. Mm -hmm. The ones that I did look at when this came up two years ago, they were more having to do with race or with gender issues. I didn't see kind of political Nazi type things. So I'm, I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand it. So I any, what any, they're doing. In all right. honesty, I think that they've found a place where they know they can get at the nerve. Yes. That I'm going to wipe this out, regardless of what the titles of the books were, and say, you're coming here to read. I want you to read my pamphlet. That's like they're finding a spot to just poke. But I also think it's about the little inclusive libraries because they don't like that there is a space where we are highlighting groups that are marginalized. marginalized communities that are typically marginalized communities and so are specifically taking those books well, I, I out think that's, I think that's and putting yeah. Yeah. something that has nazi propaganda in it as the thing to find yeah. so well, it is that is yeah. why we would call it an incident of hate speech because this is someone taking something mm -hmm. and yeah. then replacing it with something to elicit an emotional response Hate symbols are hate, hate speech. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a letter explaining it's, to you why your books disappeared. It's basically. This, I mean, a swastika is a symbol. Right. Yeah. Swastika on a stairwell at the high school. Right. That's a hate speech symbol. Well, and I think you said something a few moments ago, Gus, that I think is important. We're having this discussion. And what you find with youth is, let's just say there is a seventh grader who's just got this attitude, right? And he's, and he's, found an impressionable seventh grader. If this conversation is going on, that impressionable seventh grader may have more people step in and just say, eh, it's not happening. Like, I don't care what this guy's trying to tell you. And I think that's where this conversation amongst the community, starting here tonight, but hopefully, you know, with, uh, with hopefully we don't see any more activity, but maybe that's naive to say that. Um, but this conversation, families having it, students having it, the, the school certainly supporting that this is just not what the town of Medfield is all about. Um, I think it at least starts yeah, establishing sort of the norm yeah. and, and letting the people that are thinking about doing this or doing it, that this is not something the, that anybody appreciates and regards as in any way acceptable. I mean, clearly they think it's acceptable because right. they do it. 
there's, there's, there's two levels to, to what Eileen brought up. I'm not, I'm not arguing, you know, if stuff like this has happened, it has to not happen. Mm -hmm. That's not the issue. I am trying to understand what it is that's happening, though. It's too easy to say something happened, therefore it's this. If the issue is kids growing up saying, oh, I know how I, know how I can tweak a nerve, and their, their view is driven probably more out of ignorance mm -hmm. than out of intent. It's just that, oh, if I do this, this is a really taboo thing, and I'll get everybody, you know, the chickens in the barnyard will be clucking when I throw this rock over the fence, huh? Mm -hmm. We don't know that it's a well, kid. Uh, no, that's my point. That's my point. This part of, that part of the discussion had to do with a kid that might be doing this, and I'm saying, no, what I really want to know, it's a big difference between the response we should have if it's kids that are being thoughtless, that aren't really aware, they've never seen the Nuremberg trials or whatever, and they just say, well, this is sort of a, a cheap way I can pluck the guitar string and get everybody. The response to that is one thing. If it's adult, then the response to it needs to be something different. And if it's organized adult, it needs to be even something yet again. I'm saying, in the time I've lived in this town, I've never met people who act like that. That's not to say they don't live here. It's just I've never met them in the town. I, I take offense when we say, oh, we have an anti-Semitic problem here in town because I think the town's culture is pretty good. That doesn't mean there's not somebody in town that's doing something wrong. That doesn't mean that we don't need to start paying more attention to it. So I, I totally agree with that. I want to be thoughtful about how we respond to it. Part of it to, for me has to do is a big difference if it's kids being stupid versus adults being intentional. You're, we're we're, we're not going to learn the, the information behind this happening, Gus. And I think we just have to say that this is unacceptable, regardless of, of and whether then, it's kids thinking it's funny or whether it's adults thinking it's it's some sort of white nationalist uh, be it, beliefs that, that we're going to put this forward. Regardless, it doesn't matter. It's, it's it, not right shouldn't be happening, mm -hmm. and, and the town should say. Right. And when we say that, that, what if does that come? If you're looking for next steps, I'm arguing are a side you, of this. I don't think you Right. You think are I'm you looking arguing. for next steps? Are you looking for like looking. concrete next steps? You make this statement that this is not right. We don't want this in Medfield. And you guys are like, of course. It's not right. right. So, of course so you're, you're right. looking for what next steps are. If is that is a, that? Yes. OK. So because I think that even if it is just kids being stupid, there need to be next steps anyway. If it's adults who are being intentional and you feel like that deserves a stronger response or if it's organized, an organization of adults needs to be even stronger than that. I think right. that we need to start with, it doesn't matter which one of those groups, there needs to be a next step. So I think that is where we would have the conversation about, is there a way to organize the way we report this who it reports to, is there a, like I was saying before, there are models of this in other towns that we can certainly share with you so you can look at this and think about what might work well for Medfield or not. Is it just to the police? Is it something like a freedom team, which is a, I think they have to have at least 12 different people on this team involved different areas of the town. And then, all the areas of town that have vested interest in making sure we don't have issues of hate bubbling up under the surface, then we can talk about creating something like a freedom team. There are 
other ways to do this in terms of if you're looking for next steps, maybe that is what we would bring or submit to you to talk about in further conversation as well. So, and I think so, uh, a statement from the select board condemning these events. Mm -hmm. My point, on, my point on that is to me, it's not, we can make that statement. And then what? What does that do? Then that's I'm, I'm looking for steps. I'm looking for real action. I'm not looking for just hot air, empty political rhetorical statements. That's I'm coming from maybe mm -hmm. the opposite side of this issue no, the way you we, think we, I am. We're not going to find somebody and slap them on the wrist right. uh, with a with a ruler gusser. We're not going to you know whip them in the in the public so, park. So, we're 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 going to we're going to just draw a line and say that this is not appreciated. It's not something that should happen in our town. Um, it's and, just and to let them know. Do, I mean, it, well, it, it doesn't. You know, it it lets the people in the town know that as a as a government that that is our position. Because they, because they didn't know that. That's see what I'm saying. Because they didn't know it, we had to. It's like it's like the people. I feel sorry for the people who put the hate has no home here. It's like, did you have to tell your neighbors that they didn't know? It's like, my point is it's an empty rhetorical statement. I want the action. I well, actually want right. to do something. So please come up with, a, with so an action from, and, and let us know from, what you come up with. This, In the interim, I think that the select board should condemn it. Right. Um, and I think that, that I would. Uh, certainly. We, I mean, that's a given, right? We, yeah. we certainly condemn well, we should, it. We should and take, then the action. Take action so tonight to condemn it. It, it, um, sure. So let me ask a question. So just knowing that we're about to hit the end of the school year, right? So um, you bring this forward right now extremely appreciative um i we're gonna have a lull with with meetings um i think that if if you recently moved to town medfield becomes very quiet in about 35 days um and hopefully we don't have any incidents but i know gene you're going to be having functions every week and on the uh various weekday nights um as you go through the summer um but i would say that from a, a pride event coming up too and mm -hmm. I, would, I would actually be very concerned about that event pride, and making sure event that the Pride event at Bell oh, Forge is kept safe. Mm -hmm. I, you had it last year, didn't you? You didn't nope. have a Pride last year. But I know we've had various marches. Like, I, maybe I'm really- This is the first, first Pride, Pride event, event in first, Medfield. In Medfield. Well, I, I would be floored just knowing how open the school system is and the, the youth around here. Um, maybe I'm being naive, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not concerned. I mean, it did, let's see how it plays out, but um, I think you've got you kind of, I think you've said that there we should be more concerned than not concerned. Okay. Say, there's there's Are you getting signals, Gene? Are you is it something Yeah, but we are preparing. Yeah. Okay. That's a case. It's not a question of expecting disaster, but I think that's a place where precaution is due this uh, again sending that message to the right. town. That is a politically charged area that people have we, we right now in our society, we do not have coherence around a lot of issues and this is one of them. So I think it's prudent. I also think careful. that unfortunately, maybe not in Medfield, but mm -hmm. certainly around our country, suddenly Nazis are not known as bad guys everywhere. I don't know why I that message know. changed, but I it has- I don't know where you you know, maybe, maybe that's true. I, I, when I'm you sorry, suddenly... Charlottesville? Which I, I, like around, around the country, there have been many events where people have very, very targeted. I, I agree. You can find Nazis showing up at events and you can find anarchists showing up at other events. I don't think what I'm getting at is not that they don't exist at all. I'm saying I don't think that's a comment on our you society. You don't think it's worth condemning? 
I'm saying that you, we can condemn it. I absolutely condemn it. Condemn it right now. It should never happen. So that I'm, I'm arguing for action that actually is likely to have an impact, mm -hmm. not empty political rhetoric that everybody likes to throw out there. You want, we can make a statement, sure, except that that doesn't do anything. I'm saying what I'm, what I'm taking from today is two things. Next steps, one, bring us the materials that, that show us what it is you're talking about. Please I want to see the real materials. Number two, we should look at how do we, in fact, start reporting everything. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's a great question. Is it the police that gets reported? Or I actually would probably prefer that non-criminal things actually come in through the town. I don't no think way we're to set know. up to record it no as way well to as know. the police you, are. You can't, you can't, as civilians, be the filters. Right. You've got to just submit it all and let the professionals sort it out. I would think the police is where if, if yeah, there's, then, there's a call in to just this is what we found. This yeah. is what I mean, it goes on all the time with all other things around town, whether people are finding things on the curb or don't like where the cars parked. Well, they find okay, something. Well, in we can we can load that onto the police. What I'm saying is a lot of these things are not going to be criminal there. If people say I won't bother reporting that my flag got ripped down. Because the police, it's not that big a deal where I'm coming That's from. That's vandalism. Is, that clearly is criminal. Yeah. Okay, then it's the police. Well, if somebody takes something down that doesn't belong to them, that's not right, right? And, what, and what I'm getting at is we, we start, I started off saying you've had three incidents in three years. In the first two minutes you talked, you talked about a whole bunch of other incidents. Gene added to, added to the number of incidents, and when I asked if any of this been reported, the answer is no. Mm -hmm. We didn't get any questions about the incidents when we sent this open letter over a month ago. When we right. sent the letter to the select board, right. it was said that it was going to be discussed at the next meeting, and it wasn't. There was just a, a scheduling issue, right. unfortunately. Fine. But short, short a few right. bodies. We're here, and, and we want to make sure that the select board is taking it seriously. And so the select board has agreed that we're going to we're going to issue a statement on this. Do you, you want to give us some input on a statement, or I mean, and you've also offered to give us some material about some other the way the other towns are dealing with, with these freedom committees. We we're well, we, we'd welcome any sort of input you want to do on that. Okay. Um, I think in terms of reporting, the answer is clear that it needs to go to the police mm -hmm. um, until something else is set up. I think, unfortunately, well, and I'm not saying it's something in Medfield, but I think that there are times when, for certain communities, the police don't always feel like a safe place to report things. So I think having... Most marginalized groups. Most marginalized, right. The it, it, groups that are most marginalized. If, if you want something done about it, then the mechanism, the process starts with the police. Right, so the police are on bodies, You go to some committee that the select board sets up, they are not going to have any legal authority to do anything. Correct. So, no, so and what I'm getting at is that some of this is not legal. It, it, the only thing I want to... You want to make it all legal, and then, then it becomes polarizing. We're talking trying, about creating a diversity, equity, and inclusion task force. Uh, that that is a highly political term. That, that is the worst thing we could That do. could just explore these issues. Yeah, I really. think that's the absolute worst thing we could create right now because it's a politically polarized The ADL term. would say otherwise. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care what they say. They have a political agenda that is not reflective of everybody's perspective. I, I think I think having a committee, I guess, except that I'm not sure who's on that. It has to not be a political. It has to not be perceived as a politicized committee. Well, and the only thing that that I think we just need to take 
a small step back and 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 let uh the summer go through we we because that's asking for more volunteers and the only thing i'm thinking is like i know that we tap into the police a lot already for various committees so this is another committee that would go to the chief and say because you know we've got her on various committees not saying this committee is doesn't have value but but let's start making sure that people are calling into the station to say this is this has been vandalized this has been found so we can start collecting the data it's a crawl walk run to automatically jump to do a full task force right now to me, I think might be a little bit too early because it's a hand. I, I, it's it's two pamphlets. It's the same flag taken down twice. Um, Swastika in the hallway. hallway, and that's where I was bringing up the youth when you said that, that. There's somebody in the high school, around. obviously. That's it's not just Medfield too. Right. No, and and I know it's happening. I mean, there's there's certain there's certain communities where people live because they feel safer. Like I, you know, my sister happens to live in Westport, Connecticut. When you ask people why they move to certain towns in Connecticut, it's because they feel safer because there's a larger uh, number of Jewish families. And the same thing can be said in certain towns around around here, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that we're not turning a blind eye to that. That we this conversation tonight is going to absolutely stir up a conversation by people sitting at home and watching it. Um, but I, I, I'd like to at least start with let's let and I unfortunately the chief's already gone. If if she was here, I, she'd I'm sure sure have uh, have chimed in. But I think that's where we start. And to Mark's point, um, you, we don't need independent committees running around thinking they're the police because they're not. We have a police department that has is extremely proactive. And if we heighten the awareness with Chief Garrett, um, then I know that she can have her staff be her 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 police force. Uh, be sensitive to this is now something we've talked for 45 minutes about tonight. So we didn't sweep it under the rug. I think we're having, we had a really good conversation and um, it's an unbelievable start. And Here, here's beautiful. what I'm trying to get at is if, if Mark is right, that we have to start with the police because it has to start legal, then a committee that's not the police doesn't really work. And a committee of citizens that's gonna help the police be police doesn't work. What I'm, what I'm trying to get at is when everything is dealt with as a matter of legal or illegal, we don't get the kinds of information we probably should get around people maybe who aren't doing anything illegal, but they are doing things that are basically insensitive, stupid, mm -hmm. counterproductive. And so what, I, what I'm getting at is to the extent that the things you're talking about do exist here in Medfield, at whatever low level or unintentional, you know, uneducated, whatever level it might be, that's not automatically legal. I'm, I'm looking for the way that we get at the town's culture that gets people in the town to hear things. And maybe they hear things that they don't wanna hear to start with, but when they hear it, they take it on board and then they go, well, actually, no, that's not how I want, that's not what I think we should be like. Now I get it. Now when I do, when I do that bad joke, I suddenly realize it's not just a bad joke. It's not a joke that not everybody laughs at. It's actually an insensitive thing to do. It's hurtful and hateful. If you, if you run everything through the police, you never get there because you're in the, I'll, I'll give you an example of one that I thought we handled wrong. If, for those who've been here for a few years, you might remember there were a couple of boys at the high school that painted over part of the rainbow crosswalk. Well, that thing got referred to the AG's office for hate speech. I don't have any details about what they, were did, what they did. I know they were dumb enough to put it on Twitter, I think it was Twitter, on Saturday night. That would suggest to me 
And I also know they didn't have, they must've just found paint somewhere because they ran out of paint. They didn't finish the job. My guess is they'd been out drinking. They did something that was really stupid that it's not unusual for high school age boys to do. And that thing got referred to the AG's office. It, it didn't go anywhere because it said, no, there's no hate speech here. That should have been dealt with inside the schools. They should have been the ones to repaint the walk. That's how that should have been dealt with because they were kids doing stupid stuff. Instead, it became, a, it became initially potentially a legal case. And it's the wrong, it's like having a sledgehammer as your only tool to try to get people to change. And I'm saying people, you probably do as much harm with people who aren't that way when they see heavy handed tactics trying to deal with the issue. If you don't have something that's more, I don't know, compassionate or more, more understanding. I'm trying to get to that piece of it, not the legal part. If we got legal issues, we'll deal with the legal issues. I think there's something more subtle than the legal issues that we should be working on. And a lot of the high polarizing rhetoric doesn't help that piece of it. I'm just watching our country. We're not going anywhere. We're, we're going backwards because of the way rhetoric is being used. I, I wanna get at the stuff that really gets people to think about what they do. So there are some really great models out there of community organizations that are doing that work. Th then that would be, in my mind, that's probably the thing we need to look at more so. I, but I still want to get the reporting. I really do want to know what the incident level is. I, they are. You know. I believe they are at the police station. Okay. We turned them in when we reported it. So okay, well maybe, we have pictures. We will happily pass that along to the select board. Mm -hmm. But I would certainly like to see the two flyers that you put you referred to in the letter. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't Patrick believe we have physical copies anymore. Them, so. Yeah. Well, where they must they're here somewhere. Right? So the there's a possibility that you've got one or a group of disturbed individuals. Mm -hmm. You've got the potential for some more organization than that. Anytime you talk on social media. The potential for connections is just magnified astronomically sure. from where it was. Yeah. And then the broader sense, there may be some kind of an organization, however loose or not, regionally or whatever, that's coming in and doing this. Mm -hmm. There are a number of communities that have been hit with outsiders coming in, particularly with prepared literature sure. and putting in private mailboxes, whatever, to get a reaction. Sure. And every yeah. time they get a reaction, even if it's a report in the press, they view, that's a success as they view it. Mm -hmm. oh, but no, if, no, that's, no. if that's a different issue than adults here in town doing something right. versus mm -hmm. kids here in town, and I'm, I'm suggesting that those require different responses. And that's what the police can determine by not only what their own investigation, but by uh, dealing with their colleagues and right. other communities and determining, yeah, we got hit. Last same night, same pamphlet, same whatever, flyer. or yeah. last week, or whatever, and now they know that there's some kind of an organized effort going on, and and respond accordingly, as opposed to it's our, it's us, it's our, it's some of our neighbors, our very neighbors, or whatever, acting like this. But it may, and it, it, yes, but and it may be that it's not an organized effort in this town, but it's people that are reacting to what they disagree with as political speech. They, they react to the political agenda that's pushed. And the only part I can't connect is, and then why does that send you in the anti-Semitic direction 
other than, well, I know if I kick somebody in the shins, it's going to be painful. And that's the white, what the so-called white nationalists. Yes, they, it's they they don't want inclusivity. They don't want any marginalized group to be treated as mainstream. So they they're like cherry picking their perception of classic Nazism and this and that and the other mm -hmm. thing, and and they get us Jews all worked up because it's an anti-Semitic component, and they're just throwing that in with everything else. But they hate the LBGTQ community. That's so it's all just it's all jumbled. It's all jumbled up. Which right. which because it's all jumbled up. What I'm saying is, it's important for you to know where the shadow came from that you're jumping at, because different shadows represent different groups. Yeah. The concern is like every every incident I've seen reported, there was ultimately was an incident of violence or attempted violence. You go onto that person's social media post, and this crap mm -hmm. is right. there or connections to it. So it motivates in a very bad way or reinforces. That's the extreme group, yes. I think I'm what I'm getting at is I think there's other less extreme people who have views in this town that are not that, but that are, I, I, I could be wrong. But I'm guessing that the actions that we're seeing here in this town are at least the vast majority, if not all of those actions, are happening by people in this town. This is not an outside group that's decided we're going to go target a little inclusive library to put a flyer in, I don't think. I have no idea. Uh, to be honest with you, if that's what they were doing, I would expect we would see even more incidents of that. because it was done Yeah, we're, we're just not going to know, Gus. All, right. you know, all we can do is uh, say, as we have, that we, we abhor it and we... We denounce it, basically. Mm -hmm. So um, thank you for uh, bringing it to our attention. Um, as I say, I hadn't even heard about the incident at the high school, so I appreciate you sharing the uh, information. Um, I think you're going to get us some things, and then uh, we'll figure out what we're going to do next. Great. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you, thank you so much. Thanks. By the way, your presentation has a, engendered more comments online in the chat than anything else we, we've done. So conversation You've is started a conversation as long as conversation <laughs> continues, right? This can't yep. flourish. It only flourishes in the dark. We just need to shine a light on it. And we need to be able to have the conversations yep. no Thank matter how difficult they are. Yeah. Thank you for shining the light. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, let's see. We're on to action items now. And we have a request from memo for economic assistance for the summer concert series in the amount of $3,800. The uh, comments are. Yeah, no, I got to scroll up. Yep. yep. Good evening. Thanks for having me. As you know, memo and summer concerts go back many, many years, way before my time. I took it over about 15, maybe 20 years ago. I know Mark had been involved with it, um, several other people as well. But, um, and I took it over, and there were six bands uh, for the summer. And it's grown to now nine or 10 bands, depending on when's 4th of July hits, uh, hits the week. Uh, this year we have 10 uh, shows. Um, the business model de developed into uh, something where we had the evening hosts would combined would cover about half the costs. And then our, our underwriter for the year 
uh, would pick up the other half of the costs. The costs right now are about $8,8100. Um, this year, we happen to have um, 12 evening hosts over the 10 concerts. We don't have all the concerts filled, but there are several that have been doubled up uh, for an evening. So uh, we've actually uh, have uh, 4250 uh, covered by the evening hosts, which leaves about $3,800 that we were looking for for our underwriter. Uh, and that fee has been consistent for many years. Prior to COVID, um, we had no problem getting an underwriter. Um, the underwriter gets the benefit, the evening hosts get the benefit of coming to the show, setting up a, 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 a table, interacting with the, uh, the concert goers, distributing material, whatever they want to do for that sort of thing. Uh, the underwriter also gets the ability to not only get the recognition as the underwriter, uh, they get a major uh, uh, focus on the flyer that goes out to the community the week before. They also get their logo uh, and name on the, uh, the banner that goes across the uh, street for the whole season. Uh, but they also get the ability to be an evening host uh, any one or ten uh, concerts uh, throughout the year, throughout the season. Um, and, uh, and the underwriters generally took advantage of that. Um, once COVID hit, a um, couple of things happened. Once, one, we had to cancel the this, this show uh, you know, for a year uh, or so. And uh, also, uh, when it came back, um, we decided to come back half speed and we had trouble finding an underwriter. We found that we found evening hosts, but not, not an underwriter. We found that those who we were relying on in the past were now telling us COVID really hurt their business and they didn't have that uh, uh, expenditure of funds uh, available uh, at this point. So in, in 2021, uh, the town uh, basically approached us and we were lucky that they were willing to also give us some uh, money out of this economic assistance uh, uh, fund that they had. And they became the underwriter uh, sponsor uh, for uh, 2021's concerts. Um, we only came back half speed, five, five shows. So the, the costs were a little bit less. Last year, we were lucky enough to have one of our memo members uh, who had a small business in town. I was very surprised. They stepped up to be an underwriter, um, but that didn't come uh, follow through for this year. And so this year, we again were having real difficulty in trying to find uh, the underwriter for the year. So the idea is that, uh, and I would want to characterize this request, this funding from the town to come in as, as, as the underwriter for the year uh, not just, you know, writing us a grant, but to actually participate, have the ability where you, you can be creative and maybe have committees or boards in your town who may want to set up uh, as an evening host uh, to promote something, uh, you know, you know fr from them. Uh, I, would, I would offer and maybe suggest that, you know, 
the town may want to do that. So to participate more as an underwriter um, as well. So um, that's my presentation. Thanks, Gus. Questions, comments, um, Gus? It's funny, you, you got out in front of me when you were talking about the underwriter. So if we put the money, what would we want to get? What, what would we do as an underwriter? Uh, and I'm not sure the answer to that question. Um, you that, mean as an evening host uh, to set up something? Well, oh, I, I, know, I have ideas for that. Okay, so if you have a, no, I was actually thinking what, per, what, what would the town want, what statement or what point or, you know, so I think uh, Russ and I had a conversation. I spoke to Memo um, just before town meeting, and I was listening to Russ explain to everybody that they may not be able to have the concerts this year. And it was a similar conversation that we had, I think it was in, in 21, when the town contributed the economic development money um, to have the concerts go forward. I think that the economic multiplier that the town gets from having people come to our downtown, come together, um, is worth the $3,800. Um, what I envision us, uh, having a table at the at the concerts is signing people up for transfer station stickers, signing people up for oh. our alert system, okay, um, and just being you know available right. for general questions. I know we're right there; we hear the concerts, but it takes some effort for people to get across the street to ask a question. If we were right there, um, you know, just makes a, us part more part of the downtown piece of it. So also, an idea that I had was like uh, the town does different boards at Medfield Day. They set up booths. Mm -hmm. So town planner want, you know, would set up you know, when you were doing things with the zoning and, and planning. And, and there, there was a, a, me a message uh, mm -hmm. you know, to get out. Uh, so I've envisioned something like that. That you know that might be there. Want to have my office hours there? <laughs> it, it's just a hard part because it's a summer, right? So that's what that's the I can Yeah, but People just to, just for the town to have a, a yeah. presence there that we support this in the downtown, I think yeah. is, is important for us. So personally, especially coming on the heels of COVID, yeah. I was okay with supporting the money that you were asking for. So. This is actually added for, for me, the idea that we might actually have some good things we could do as an underwriter mm -hmm. just adds to well, the yeah, rationale. Yeah. I mean, the, th the thought that I just pre you know, presented just occurred to me on my drive over here. You know, mm -hmm. you really would be acting as an underwriter and have all those you know, benefits to take advantage of. And like, you know, like Christine says, I, I think there's some real appropriate things that mm -hmm to interact with the crowd. I'm sympathetic with that. Oh, I, I think it's, it's yeah, I had a chance to talk to Christine before the meeting. And I mean, absolutely. The fact that there's so many people that come to the downtown um, for the event and, and certain artists, you can tell because then they park all throughout Brothers parking lot. <laughs> um, but no, I, I support it. I have, I have no issue with this. Okay. Do you want to make a motion then? Oh, you're right. So you're good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, motion to support the request from Memo for economic assistance for the summer concert series in the amount of $3,800. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Great. All right. Thanks for coming in, Gus. Thank uh, Russ, next Russ. is a request for a vigil I walk. Russ didn't have to be here. <laughs> oh, did I say Gus? <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, next is a request for a vigil walk on May 24 at uh, 7 p.m. with people walking on the sidewalks around Meeting House Pond with the event starting and stopping at the First Parish Unitarian Universalist Church on 26 North Street. I and this, this is, is a repeat kind of what This is going to be, uh, Becca Cornett uh, has requested, this is going to be uh, an annual anti-racism vigil that they will have uh, at the church. We had a great turnout last year. 
um, with no issues. So, okay. Motion? Yep. Uh, approve the request for vigil walk on Wednesday, May 24th at 7 p.m. with people walking on the sidewalks around the Meeting House Pond with the events starting and stopping at the First Parish UU Church on 26 North Street. Second. All in favor? Aye. Yes. Uh, next, we have a vote to sign the contract with Game Ready Inc. for Medfield State Hospital lawn mowing services for $29,250. It was around $2,600 a mow, I think. Yes. Twice a month. This is about, uh, approximately $5,000 more than it was uh, last year for our summer mowing services. And this is a new uh, company to us. And new, did the other folks just not put an offer in? Or? This is the lowest bid. Okay. I would make the observation that their liability clause only says for any act, not any negligent act. Right. <laughs> but the consulting engineers, supposedly because of their insurers, all fixate on the word negligent being added. Which yeah, is no, I, I don't. I think all our contracts. As opposed to strict that. liability, which is what this is. Yeah. So this was intentional. This yeah. way. Yes. Ha. All right. I thought they just weren't sophisticated. No. Well. All right. Okay. Can I have a motion? Yes, please. All right. Motion to sign the contract with Game Ready Inc. for Medfield State Hospital Lawn Mowing Services for $29,250. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Next, we've got a vote for a short term cable license extension from June 4, 2023 to June 30, 2023, as special counsel continues to work on the five year agreement with Verizon. Do I read this? Uh, yes, there's a specific motion for you to read once we are ready to go. Just uh, for context of this, Bill Solomon was in to see you a few months ago. Yes. Um, we're just not there yet. Brittany and um, and Bill have been working with Verizon on this, and it's slow going. All right, so do you need to read that, or do I read that? I hereby move. I think you read it. Okay. Any sure. questions first, Gus? Nope. Eileen? Nope. Okay, All right, so I motion. I hereby move that the board... As Cable Television Licensing Issuing Authority votes as follows. To authorize special counsel to enter into or otherwise confirm an agreement with counsel for Verizon New England to extend the term of current cable television renewal license issued by the town of Verizon with an effective date of June 5th, 2018, five-year initial term to June 30th, 2030, uh, excuse me, 20, 20, 2023, or such other date deemed appropriate by special counsel not to exceed 60 days to protect the interests of the parties and the public during the term of the above reference and extended period of time, the current cable TV renewal license agreement will remain in effect. Second. The motion is longer than the extension. All those in favor? <laughs> aye. aye. Next, we have a vote to appropriate $10,000 from ARPA for furnishing finishes equipment. So this is, um, to give you some context on this, as you know, we have um, been struggling with recruitment and retention. Um, and one of the things we've been working on internally is to improve morale. Um, and I may not be able at this time to offer people the salary incentives they're being asked, you know, or being offered to leave Medfield. So one of the things we've discovered, um, we're actually having carpet replaced on a three-year cycle um, three-year term. So there'll be two floors replaced this year and the uh, the other two next year. One of the things we found is that the furniture uh, and some of the equipment we have in the building is over 25 years old. So some of the desks, as we are onboarding new employees, um, the desks really are unacceptable to have people working at. So we have approximately $10,000 left in the treasury 
uh, ARPA money that came in and I would like to ask for permission um, for furnishing finishes and equipment for onboarding our new employees uh, and, and our existing employees. Questions, Gus? No questions. Sounds Eileen? like a reasonable request to me. No, it's 100% reasonable. I'm on board too. So do we have a motion, right, so Eileen? Motion to appropriate 10,000 from ARPA for furnishings, finishes, and equipment. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Uh, citizen comments, doesn't look like we're having anybody sign. Nobody registered for this evening. Uh, consent agenda, let's see, we've got requests from tapped beer truck for a one-day beer wine permit for cocktail hours at 72 High Street from 5 to 6.30. Requests from Medfield Youth Hockey to place signs at the corner of 27 and South Street advertising registration for Mites House and Girls teams from May 25 to June 6. Will TAP require a police detail if they're going to be, or no? Private a, party. Private party? Yeah. yeah. Although everybody knows about it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, would you, because they can't park in the property, there's no room, is that why it has to be? Because I would think if it was in somebody's driveway, it's, they wouldn't need to It's not just for sales, it's for possession. Yeah, they don't, they don't have a permit to sell. So they, if they're going to serve it as being brought into this party, they need a one-day permit in order okay. to be able to sell it. It's not a, if it was a catering truck and they were serving food, then they would automatically have that license. It's not, so they need a okay. Monday. Yeah. Do we have a motion, Eileen? Uh, motion to approve the consent agenda. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. We've got meeting minutes. Have you guys had a chance to? I finally got around to reading them all. I have. I've had three done for a very, very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> like the week we were supposed to. <laughs> so I've got all four of them done, but I thought you guys already had your comments in on at least two? No, I literally December, December, January, the week that we brought it up the first time I've had yeah. it. So all four, you're saying you No, so I haven't done 18 yet because I just got that and I'm like, okay, where, where are we with the other three before I oh, so kill I'm myself ahead, again? I'm ahead of you. <laughs> right, so we'll, we go. Can we approve the uh, December 6th, December 20, and January 10 minutes then? As, as, as revised with, with edits that have been submitted. Yes. Yeah. Do we have that motion? Uh, motion to approve December 6th, December 20th, and January 10th. Meeting Second. Notes. All those in favor? Aye. Yes. Aye. Town Administrator updates. So I have uh, a couple of things. One, I was not uh, at your last meeting, so I did not get a chance to do a follow-up from town meeting, and I just wanted to thank everybody for being there. Uh, it was nice to be over quorum and not have that uh, stress of, you know, finding a second suit for the next night of town meeting, so I appreciate <laughs> that. Um we have a few new faces at Town Hall. You met Maria this evening. Uh, we have Dana, who is starting, uh, Dana Hinthorne, who's starting as our building commissioner, who will be here uh, June 1st. Um, so if anybody wants to stop by and meet our new people, we would encourage you to do that. Uh, Memorial Day, uh, May 29th, will begin on Jane's Avenue at 9.45 a.m., and the parade will lead to Baxter Park, and after the ceremony at Baxter Park, will lead on to Vine Lake Cemetery. Um, for those of you who have keys to town hall, I am pleased to report they no longer work. <laughs> that might be all 12,786 people who live in town. Um, we've had a security update and we uh, have deactivated everybody's keys and we've gone to a key fob swipe system. Uh, so feel free to turn your keys back, we'll recycle them. That's all I have this evening. Uh, select board reports, Gus. Uh, let's see, since the last meeting attended the Eagle Court at the UCC Church on May 13th, uh, I also attended my first MBTA advisory committee meeting. So you know, 
I've gotten emails from the MBTA Advisory Committee probably for four or five years. Didn't really know why I was being called out, and done, nobody that I in the family or I use the MBTA for commuting anymore. But at the MMA uh, annual meeting at the beginning of the year, they had a booth, and so I walked up to them and confessed that although I thought that perhaps I was on their committee. And I'd never been to a meeting, and I was there to apologize for blowing them off for multiple years. They looked me up, and I was, in fact, a member of the advisory committee. So I promised them I would make uh, a point to make their meetings, and I finally made one on the uh, 16th of May. They're on their Zoom calls; they're not bad. Uh, and actually, it was a more it was more interesting and more relevant than I might have thought. There, uh, the big thing I took away from the meeting: they were going over their budget. And the MBTA has got a major challenge right now because of COVID and the federal funds that have come in. They've been able to hold things together. But if they look at their overall uh, maintenance, if they look at their long-term maintenance costs the way we looked at our long-term maintenance costs, they only have a couple of years before they fall apart. Uh, so they're, they're confronted with the challenge of having deferred maintenance, maintenance costs, ridership down, and probably some amount of demands for expanded service, which I, I can't imagine is anywhere on the horizon for them in the foreseeable future. Uh, so, but I, anyway, I came away out of that meeting with greater sympathy for the financial challenges they're facing. Uh, I think the state's going to have to do something to, to change the whole, whole situation because structurally uh, they were measuring their likely breakdown time, I think it was 2025. So something's going have to have to happen with the team. I uh, also went to the Norfolk County Advisory Board meeting uh, last week, and I have been going to those. They, the one that they had, they actually had out in Quincy at the Wollaston. They have a, a recreation facility there. I couldn't get to the ribbon cutting for the new playground that they have there. I tried, but the traffic held me up. Uh, but they did have a ribbon cutting, and uh, just so you, you can tuck away that uh, Commissioner Stady would actually appreciate being invited when we have ours. So uh, where I thought maybe we were putting them out by forcing them to come here, he actually would specifically Will like he bring another come. big check? I, I, uh, I might have mentioned that in passing, or he might have, he might have offered it in passing. But uh, yeah, so anyway, the, the, the county commissioners uh, are they do a better job than I, before I ever started going to meetings, I sort of discounted the county because it seems like it's an invisible level of government, but they, they are involved in a lot of uh, good things. And I think they are trying to figure out the best way to support the towns that are in the county. Uh, they also, of course, are still in the middle of a legal dispute with the registry of deeds. And so that's, I don't know when that's going to get sorted out. It seems like it should be sortable, but I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I attended, went to the state rep visit to Belforge on the uh, 16th of May as well. Uh, that was, uh, it's nice to, when you see officials come here and they see what the place looks like, they recognize the potential. And when they recognize the potential, I can't help but think that's going to be a, that's going to help us out a lot when we need some political leverage to get this thing across the finish line. So it was well done, uh, performance inside the chapel was impressive. First time I'd actually really listened to a performance there. And I, uh, Gene, no, uh, there was no mic, the, the performer, no microphone, just singing. And, and I sat up front and it, it, she wasn't yelling or anything. She was just singing regular and you could hear it. So that's going to be a wonderful facility. 
And uh, the only other thing I have is tomorrow night is the MSH Development Committee meeting. It's kind of our routine quarterly meeting, so there's nothing nothing that I'm aware of momentous is going to go on there, but that's tomorrow. Thank you. I mean, All right, so I got uh, quite a few different events. So uh, after the last select board meeting, there was the Affordable Housing Trust uh, site visit with DHCD. Um, uh, Rico, the rep from DHCD, was there uh, along with the uh, uh, Dean and uh, Mr. Rafferty, and they had a very good turnout with the neighbors. Uh, it's a really good dialogue. To make a long story short, um, there's just an issue with where the fence is today, where the proposed movement of the fence is going to, to go, and where the uh, homeowners association is re is suggesting a, a compromise. Um, so it's very good dialogue. Um, we walked both sides of the fence so we could see um, if the fence was moved, how it would impact the neighbors. Um, so I think that there's knock on wood, there should be a, a, a compromise there. Um, the rep, when we were there, happened to say, make a comment about the state hospital, hearing so much about it up at the state house, never had been there. So then I drove up, she followed me up, and we did a tour of the state hospital. She loved it. I uh, had a chance to bring her to Belforge to just get the whole idea of what we're trying to do with uh, cultural arts and then having the, the 334 apartments. Um, and then after, while we were walking that, I made a comment about the Bob Borelli Hinkley South project. She had been involved with that. So then drove her down to uh, Hinkley South. Bob was there. So she had a chance to actually get a tour. Um, great conversation, uh, beautiful setup. So that was uh, a short meeting that ended up being a good portion of the morning, but time well spent. Um, I then this past Tuesday, I've seen this past week, I went to um, an event that uh, uh, Rep Vaughn hosted at Electric Time here in Medfield, which was awesome. Um, we had a, a select board member from Millis, select board member for Rentham, a rep uh, from Denise Garlick's office because she had literally had knee surgery the day before. Um, uh, a few other people. We had a chance to get a tour, um, ask all sorts of questions. If, and if you haven't done that, that is like the coolest setup. The herbs have a, a phenomenal business there, and just yeah, where the clocks. Are, I mean, to know that, like, just like you know, watching the PGA tournament over the weekend, and every time you see Rolex, that's actually made right here in, in Master, right here in Medfield. Like they do all of the Rolex clocks that you see. All the last around. time I was in there, it was just sparkling clean. It was just astonishing for a manufacturing facility that it oh, wasn't amazing. a mess. And the way they're so protective, like yes, they do Rolex, but they do not let you take pictures. Um, some of the clocks that are made when they become um, t time to pull them out, and people don't want them to just be tossed in the trash, they take them all back. And they were showing us how they reuse different brands. It was just very very impressive. I uh, really enjoyed it. And then we went from there and, and headed up to Jean's event at uh, State Hospital. Um, Love the fact that you brought everyone out to the field, kind of talked about where you want to be, you know, and you have to start working now because there's a lot, if it has to be uh, approved by the well, uh, what legislature, it's, that's not something that happens overnight. Um, and then Jen Taff was phenomenal. That was spectacular. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I, I too attended the Eagle uh, Eagle Scout court ceremony. Four um, kids, four, four young men. It was impressive. Yeah, it was great. And then um, I had a meeting a week this past Friday at Medfield TV. Um, Katie, Kathleen, uh, and Amanda asked me to just come in. They have an idea that they want to bring forward to the select board. Um, they're kicking around some ideas. I won't. I won't take away the surprise. 
But when they shared it with me, I was like, yeah, I don't see why we wouldn't want to support a community event um, come the fall, like the, the uh, October into um, the event would run kind of middle of October and it would be uh, uh, very community centric. So um, I was like, they, they threw it by me and I thought it was great. And so hopefully we'll see them on the upcoming agenda. And I do want to ask you guys about timing for uh, meeting with the well owners. Um, is that something we want to try to do before the town gets quiet? Or do we want to talk to the well owners come the fall um, to just have the discussion that we didn't have a chance to have before the annual town meeting um, so that we can hear from them. They can hear some of the things that we've been hearing from the community about the concern for conservation of water and uh, wells, et cetera. Is there a time that's better than another? I don't think it matters. I mean, if they want to come in uh, before the uh, summer, that's fine. Well, it would be a meeting that we would host, right? So so it's something we could either do uh, at our next select board meeting if we yeah. wanted to have a dialogue, if we wanted to have a an off session um, at like the the public safety building. Um. There, um, do you have a sense of how many are going to show up? Uh, I think if the... Notice went out. I know that uh, two of the people personally said I lean them around the summer. Don't, 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 because I bounced back saying, let me get a handle on like, the calendars and what's happening. And they're like, we're around, we'd be more than happy to. Um, there are 40, roughly 47 well owners that are, are strictly irrigation. And then there are the, what, the hundred and some odd that we heard during the warrant meeting um, that have wells, whether it be for home and irrigation. I mean, part, part of me says that it's an issue we won't deal with until next year's town meeting. Mm -hmm. So there's not, you can tell me I'm wrong about this, but it doesn't seem like there's a pressing need to do it before the summer mm -hmm. for, from a timing standpoint. Mm -hmm. And where my head went next was that it might be interesting to have the conversation yeah. in that it's not going to, what there's no impact on what people are going to do this summer. Mm -hmm. It might be interesting to have the conversation after the summer, mm -hmm. uh, only because everybody's the circumstances will be fresh in everybody's head mm -hmm. at that point in time. But but I'm not opposed to that. That's some kind of yeah. where I was heading. That let's let the summer take like take its course. Maybe last year was a unbelievable anomaly, yeah. and we I mean I, we knew we were in tier four because Mo had to do that right. for the for right. the, the the town well, uh, the town the water tower. But um, you know you're starting to see. I was driving through Millish yesterday. They're already putting a water ban in effect. Mm. Um, hopefully the rain we got Saturday will help with that. But yeah, I think I, I don't disagree. Let's let the summer go. But I would like to, if anyone is listening to our meeting, that it, we're not sweeping under the rug. We want to get in front of them, but uh, look more towards September timeframe. Yeah, I saw the Millis sign too, and it was like, is there some reason they're doing it that has nothing to do with the drought condition? Oh, the river. Yeah. The river's already down that far. I don't, I don't know what their permit says. Their permit could list a, a certain level. Wow. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, with the okay. brush stuff. Or it could on, just be by dates too. Well, that's yeah. what I, I mean. So that's what I'm getting at. Is I, I, when I Could saw the sign, I said, "Why would they possibly be doing this?" Everybody's and they want, there's, there's extreme pressure being brought by, frankly, uh, Charles River, the Ponset Valley, the conservation law, to really conserve mm. uh, water on a concerted basis, mm -hmm. and they're and they're pressuring uh, EPA, DEP to make sure that these various licenses, whether it's water withdrawal or stormwater, whatever, mm. you know address these issues squarely. Okay. And so that might be a capacity 
issue for military. They just, I just don't want you, they, they want you to change how you approach water use, particularly on non-essential water use, minimize it. Same thing mm -hmm. as carbon footprints and everything else is part of the big picture of you don't really need to be using the water. There's other more critical things with it. And it's in the natural system. And then one last little nugget. I know you're hosting, uh, not you're hosting, but Belfort has got the yoga, uh, morning yoga this Saturday for to raise awareness for suicide prevention. So I saw, I got, I saw your email come out. That was awesome. Thank you. All right, and then I think that's, uh, that's my wrap. Okay, thank you. Uh, I just uh, went to the Eagle Scout uh, Court of Honor, um, and I'll also bring up what I want to just follow up with you guys about the sustainable, resilient, affordable materials that I sent around to you from the MAPC. Mm -hmm. I just think at some point we should address that and whether or not the town wants to adopt something like that to encourage people to do the right things in terms of climate health. Um, do we have a, anything in the uh, uh, information, Chris, that you want to highlight for right, people? Before you get there, I have one other just, I should oh, have mentioned it before. I don't, if you guys get this MMA, you probably do, you get the email, it was MMA alert, Senate to begin FY24 budget debate tomorrow. And there were two items that popped up. Um, one of them, there's a amendments 1036 and 777 municipal finance. Please ask your senators to support two amendments that would provide municipalities with clarity when accounting for one-time revenue, such as opioid settlement funds. And the only reason it caught my attention is it said, in the absence of a legislative solution, some municipalities have created special purpose stabilization funds, which we've done to keep such revenue separate from the general fund. Unfortunately, this is an imperfect approach. Now they didn't explain the imperfection. But right, I would urge them to take that up with the Department of Revenue, but okay. Okay, well, so my point was we just passed an article and I just read a description that said it's unfortunately an imperfect approach. And then the second was Amendment 169, accessory dwelling units. Uh, please ask your senators to oppose unilateral preemption of local zoning and decision-making as proposed in Amendment 169, which would mandate that certain AGO, ADUs be approved as of right instead of through special permits. But the only thing I react to on this is if we look at 40B and if we look at the MBTA Communities Act and apparently maybe this amendment, these are all trends that are taking zoning control away from local governments. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are factions across the country that think zoning is basically an exclusive type thing. What isn't being told is that if you get rid of it, then people who are being sold on doing things to improve the value of their property, there's this cross current that's actually occurring at a national level that says, no, 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 we want the price of houses to go down. When you think about the fact that for most people, when they, when they retire, the biggest source of their assets upon retirement is the value of their house. We could very easily be headed to another fiscal cliff with, the, with government, state and federal, moving in the directions to undermine zoning. Uh, and, so, and, and, so, and for that matter, increasing housing. I mean, I'm, this is a balance issue. It's not a one thing's bad, one thing's good, but a lot of the pressure to increase housing also will drive the, pri the price of houses down. Uh, and there's gonna be a lot of people that are gonna wind up a losing a lot of equity if, if these things went through, so. 
It's it's a dilemma because the housing in the Boston area is among the most expensive in the yeah. country because of our zoning, basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, the state is pushing very hard, witness the MBTA zoning, to increase the number of dwelling units to try to satisfy the need. Um, I was looking at charts that I had uh, gotten from the Mass Taxpayers Foundation today, which indicated that basically our our our, our kids and and our employees are basically moving to the south in Texas, and uh, they're just they're leaving because it's the cost of living here is so high here, unfortunately. So it's a dilemma. We all like our acre lots, however. So do we have a, a anything else, Chris, or are we set? Uh, just that I'm pleased to announce we are once again in Tree City. Where are you going to plant it this year? <laughs> that I don't know yet. <laughs> Motion to adjourn? Yes, please. All right. Did you just make it? Motion to Second. adjourn, yes. <laughs> All those in favor? Aye, aye. Aye.